Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. In this week's episode, we'll be interviewing author Lix Robinson. She is currently writing a Viking Omegaverse series that we'll be diving into throughout this episode. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. Thank you so much for joining us, Lix. We're so excited to talk with you today. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So since we haven't talked about any of the Viking Omegaverse series on the podcast yet, we did want to give a quick series summary. We're not really going to dive into a lot of detail because we want to make sure that you read these books because they're amazing. (laughs) Um, So we're just going to give a quick outline of the series and then we will jump in for all the questions that we have for Lix. So... The series currently has two books published with more on the way. The first two books are Stolen by the Wolves and Taming the Wolves. This series follows our female main character, Tamsin, as she deals with an impending arranged marriage and a Viking threat nearing the shores of her home kingdom, where she has been raised as a princess. Tamsin is an Omega, who in this story are referred to as, I do not know how to pronounce this, Alex, <laughs> please pronounce this for me. I, you know, I don't speak Norse, but... I think it's Vanir Dotur, but, you know. Sounds great to me. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, that was really good. Very talented. Oh, <laughs> I really don't think that's accurate, but something along those lines anyway. So that's what they're called by the Vikings, but we would, uh, as it is an Omegaverse novel, she is an Omega, and they are seen as a sacred and coveted gift from Freya, uh, who had disappeared from the world up until this point. Now, that doesn't mean that they were actually gone and Tamsin is the only one that's left. It's that the Vikings didn't know where they were and they were all kind of hiding in this kingdom. Um, Yeah, they largely thought that they were just kind of some, you know, mythical women. Basically, yeah. So throughout the series, Tamsin is discovering who she is as a woman while also fighting against the ingrained misogyny and sexism that has made her life so much more difficult up until this point. These books are a mix between historical romance and Omegaverse and have an incredibly unique plot and character development. And Ashley and I both love them. Ashley was obsessed with them. (laughs) Ash, who recommended that you read these? Was it Willow? Yeah, so um, (laughs) it had actually been on my TBR for a while, but then Willow was like, hey, you really need to read these. Um, Because I love Omegaverse and... Oh, the cover, I think, is what really drew me into the series because oh. it's just such like just such unique, beautiful covers for a reverse harem series. And it's like I've been obsessed with this book <laughs> since, <laughs> since I like started that first one. I was so invested and I'm really glad that I started them when I did because I didn't have to wait that long for the second book to come yes, out. Yes, that's true. You started like two weeks or something before the other one came out, I think. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <you're> lucky. <laughs> Yes, so Ashley read them, and then she basically wouldn't stop talking about them in our group chat. Oh, man. Yeah, and I don't think Sarah's, you know, our friend Sarah, who's been on the podcast a few times, I don't think she's read them yet, but I'm hoping that, you know, after this interview, um, Sam and I will work on her a little bit to get her (laughs) on board. (laughs) 
She needs a little bit more convincing to do uh, anything that's historical in nature. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does love a megaverse, though. So she does. I think it might be like a language thing. Like when you're used to reading a lot of contemporary, you you might be afraid that you know historical fiction might be a bit more dense, or you know, in terms of the language use and stuff. But I think I think mm-hmm. mine's not not too dense. <laughs> I mean, I tried not to no. make it too like flowery, you know. But, um, but I mean, the world building is just like on another level (laughs) it is yeah so let's jump right into our questions because i have a lot for you all right (laughs) sam's a very in-depth intellectual (laughs) questions i nerded out researching the series after i was done reading it because i am just like if i get into that mindset where i just want to learn more about something it will take me down a rabbit hole of like hours of research (laughs) so I did quite a bit of research after reading the series uh, into Viking history and the history of Vikings in England and Ireland. Um, I was kind of familiar with uh, the history of Vikings in Ireland because when I went there, our tour guide talked to us quite a bit about um, what that looked like. And then obviously I went to, I was talking to Lix about this before we started recording, but I went to the National Museum of Ireland in Dublin and they have a whole exhibit about Viking history. So I did some reading there, uh, but I want to know what was your research process like for this series, and how did you decide what would be factual historical information and what would be fiction? Oh man, okay, okay, I'm gonna try and make this succinct <laughs> because I mean I I haven't done nearly as much research as I could have done. You know, I think when you're doing historical fiction, you always feel like you should be you know doing the proper scholarly way with like a bunch of books on your on your desk and stuff. But I'll be very honest, like I, I have mostly been, you know, eating up um, PDFs from academia.edu. I don't know if you know the, the site, you have academia, you have open library, really good resources for free PDFs and stuff. So that's like the mm. academic stuff I've been looking into. And and a, a lot of stuff has been Wikipedia, you know, it's not very like, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you're pressed for time and everything, you're like, okay, you need a quick re- reply to a question you have. You look on Wikipedia first and then you look down into the references they have. And if you find like free, free books and stuff um, online, it's always, always good. But yeah, um, to answer your question about like, w- were you asking about what was your question again? Oh no, <laughs> we were thinking about the air. So how, um, what was your research process like? Right, right. Um, you, I think you do like research while you're outlining, and then while you're writing, you run into problems, and you do more research while you're writing. So you never really stop researching. I think when you're doing historical fiction, mm-hmm. if only you know to know like uh, neighboring towns to the ones you're talking about, or to to look up like what was this town called in 870 AD you know <laughs> um, I had one reader actually correct me because I called York York and it shouldn't be called York at that era and I was like oh god I forgot to look that up ah you but um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah I called Glasgow um, the Britonic name for it which is Cathuris and I don't think anyone noticed that but <laughs> but yeah I mean um, if you try and go full historical anyway people aren't gonna notice you know people aren't going to recognize I mean, a lot of I'm things. definitely the type of person who's not going to notice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do I make my glossary really massive, you know, with like everything in there? Like what every single sort of historical term means? I don't know if I should do that, but um, 
Let me just put some sources and notations here. Yeah, 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 yeah probably would be good. But yeah, mostly the, the research process was like that. Like once, while I was outlining, I, I did a bunch of, you know, research then and then just kept going, you know, while when encountering problems while writing. So were all the locations historically accurate then? Yes, yes. Um, let me think. Uh, um, having not been to Strathclyde, um, I don't know if my descriptions of it are very accurate. I do, I do go on um, like a Google Maps, Google Earth, you know, to kind of zoom in to see what it looks like, you know, geographically and the the, mm -hmm. the local, you know, forests and everything. I try and see what what that's like. Um, but um, but yeah, every, everything that you, every place in there is exists except for the Pictish outpost in book two that I mentioned now that I think about it. That doesn't exist. Uh, I think that's it. I really made up. But yeah, everything else exists. So I know some of the characters were also real historical figures. So how did you decide, like, which characters you were going to pull from history and which ones you were just going to make up? <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's funny, actually, because um, I think at first, I can't remember if I told you guys that, I think so, but at first this wasn't meant to be a reverse harem series and then like while writing the book one i started reading reverse harem and i was like oh okay okay so in the beginning Thrain <laughs> was meant to be like oh i was like oh i can't be bothered to write about the three lords of dublin i'm just gonna you know take them and sort of condense them into one character and that's going to be Thrain. it's going to be the you know fictional lord of dublin and then you know i found out about reverse harem and i was like well you know what i'm gonna uncondense him <laughs> and um and yeah so so that's how that's why you have Ivar and Olaf who are you know existing characters in the throne is like fictional and um fun fact they did actually have a third brother but they killed him um so <laughs> oh. so yeah he, he doesn't he doesn't appear in the series but uh, but yeah Thrain's kind of taking his place as the, as the brother they do not kill and they get along with um <laughs> but, <laughs> but other than that yeah um Sadly, uh, there's very few female, you know, historical figures who remain in the annals and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why a lot of the male characters are existing, you know, historical figures. But a lot of the female ones are just made up because I couldn't find, you know, the wife names, uh, the queen names. Like I had to look up, you know, Britonic names, Gaelic names for, for women and just kind of insert them in there. Because you, you hear a lot about the kings, but there's never any mention, there's rarely mention of daughters and queens and stuff. So... So that's why they have to have to be fictional. Um, so could we theoretically get hints about what's to come by looking at the history that's available? Yes, <laughs> yes. If you want to spoil yourself, I know what this is in reference to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends who you're, what you're talking about. Um, um, I don't know how much. I think to it goes say. along with one of my questions. Mm. Oh, did you ask about Rune? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Well, well, uh, I don't know. Go ahead and ask. What, what do you want to ask about, Rin? I guess my question was, I, I'll, and we'll just skip to my question because it kind of goes along with what Sam is asking. Um, but how many books can we expect for this series? And um, will any of the kind of... I mean, I feel like Rune is a pretty important character, but I said side characters, ahem, Rune, be getting their own series or like, you know. <laughs> well, for Rune, I actually did want to write um, a novella or like a sort of spin-off. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do about him because on the one hand, I really want to write like um, 
a book that's in his perspective of the events that have happened in this series, you know? So like his arrival in, mm-hmm. in Dunad Fort and like what happened behind the scenes, because I know what happened, you know, but it, I have to sort of keep it just short and succinct in the actual book itself because he's not, you know, um, at the front of the, of the stage, so to speak. But but uh, but yeah, I know what happens and I kind of want to write that in a novella, you know, maybe like a little free free novella I was thinking. But um, but yeah, I haven't really thought beyond the main sort of six book story of Tamsin and her harem, you know, I haven't really thought about writing um, any more, you know, series length <laughs> stories about the, the side characters. They would probably just get, you know, novellas or sort of spin off spin off books. But yeah, Rune, Rune is getting a book. I, he is getting a book. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you actually answered this part of this question already uh, <laughs> with what we were talking about prior. But um, I asked, have you been to Ireland? And I now know that you haven't yet. No. Um, and seen the bog bodies that you reference as being the inspiration for the human sacrifice featured in the book. Um, and then I asked, what else was influenced by Celtic and Druid history? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I have a lot to say about that, but I'm going to try and sort of condense it. But um, what, what's, kind of, um, what's kind of frustrating when you are in a... Um, well, I'm in, I'm in Brittany, you know, and what's frustrating here is that when you say Celtic, you know, Celtic mythology, that sort of thing, a lot of the time you get mm-hmm. like a mixture and you, you especially get a lot of stuff, a lot of mythology from Ireland that gets sort of transported over here, which is frustrating because technically, like historically speaking, we have more in common with Wales and Cornwall, you know, because we are Britonic speakers, you know, like our languages are, are Britonic mm-hmm. and you would surmise that, you know, our, our, our mythologies are, are similarly kind of linked. Like, for instance, here in Brittany, we have like a whole forest that's like King Arthur's forest when King Arthur is meant to be a, a Welsh legend, you know, so we kind of borrow from everywhere and from the whole like, you know, pan-Celtic uh, um, pantheon and and mythology and everything and it it's, it was kind of hard for the series like I, I really wanted to sort of that's one of the reasons I wanted to write something in, in this era because I wanted to untangle that um, in my own head in terms of you know whose yeah. mythology is whose you know <laughs> let's go back up to the roots <laughs> of these different mythologies and histories and everything to see who you know to delineate the different Celtic cultures a little bit more, you know, between like the, the Britonic cultures and the Gaelic speaking cultures um, and their respective, you know, mythologies. So uh, that's kind of one of the reasons why the Celtic elements are kind of not, you know, super obvious in this series. Like the, the importance of horses is meant to be kind of, you know, leaning into uh, ancient Celtic, you know, <laughs> tendencies to see the horse as something a bit sacred etc um and the whole spiral motifs as something that's quite ancient as well to be honest it's more neolithic than yeah uh yeah clota as well is kind of like i wanted to just use something that was um that made sense with where the characters are geographically you know like their own um what do you call it uh, sort of patron deity in a way. What do, you, what do you call it? I can't remember the term. Um, but I felt like it would n- no more like you know the the deity of your household sort of thing. You know, there's a term for that. But oh. I can't <laughs> but um, but yeah, I kind of tried to make it something that was unique to their little spot in in Strathclyde. You know, 
but for mm-hmm. subsequent books I think I'm going to really lean more on Welsh, Welsh mythology sorry and borrow from that because they're the closest you know cultural cousins to what used to be the culture the Celtic culture in, in Strathclyde um, so I'm going to lean into those those myths a bit more well I'm looking forward to it <laughs> yeah. yeah me too I mean this whole thing was like a big learning experience for me yeah. <laughs> I hope it wasn't too confusing but I, I take certain things for granted <laughs> no. and like uh, Britonic and oh my god even just knowing what to call people in Strathclyde I was like do I call them Britons or something else or Cumbric people like Cumbrian people because Cumbria is kind of squished mm-hmm. in there as well I'm like ah so it was kind of it's kind of a muddle, honestly, <laughs> to, to decide on terms, you know. So, like, we know that the people in Strathclyde follow a Christian-based religion. Do we see any sort of, like, druid worship in this series at all, or is that not going to come into play? I think there will be, yeah. I think there will be some, some druids, um... Yes, I need to research more. You know? <laughs> I need to research specifically Welsh practices more. You know, I don't want to just go in with, uh, you know, you type druid, you get a lot of you know Irish stuff. Uh, so, so I would like to do something a bit more specifically Welsh. Yeah. Okay, more to look forward to. So, you already kind of answered my next question about myths when you were going into uh, the Celtic and Welsh mythology that you tried to pull in, but you also pull in quite a bit of Norse mythology. Yeah. Uh, how did that play into your planning and like some of your discussion of like Idrisil and all of like um, all of the Norse beliefs about like how the world was created some of that aligns with like true Norse myths and then some of them you just made up <laughs> yeah. so like basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> I made it yeah. So, like, what specifically, how did you choose, like, where to pull from actual Norse myths and, like, what to make up yourself? Okay, um, I think, <laughs> I think I, the, the parts I made up, I kind of made up out of spite, if I'm honest, <laughs> because <laughs> if, you, if you listen to the, the cosmogony and the, you know, creation myths and, and all that, there isn't a single, like, vaginal birth, like, to be, you know, blunt, Every every being that kind of every god the first gods that come into being and everything, it's the most insane sort of um, ways of coming to life that you could imagine. You know, like I don't know, you get you have a giant and the sweat rolling off his back becomes gods. You know, or you have a cow licking a salt block and someone rises out of the salt block. You have no vaginal birth. You know, it's like where are the women? You know, what's going on? So so I I kind of wanted to. Um, just add in something in there that was a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, to the point of um, uh, how birth actually happens, you know, <laughs> the whole creative power of women, etc., etc. Um, so I kind of wanted to add that in because there's a bunch of other stuff in Norse mythology that's just outright, you know, sexist. And I was like, well, if I'm going to write fantasy Vikings, I might as well just, you know, <laughs> fiddle with their myths a little bit to explain why these fantasy Vikings aren't quite as, you know, sexist as regular old um vikings of back in the day you know so uh, so yeah so that actually leads right into th- another question i wanted right. to ask you which is tamson deals with a lot of misogyny uh that we know is prevalent for the time period uh do you see writing historical fiction as an opportunity to write historical wrongs like the treatment of women throughout history um 
Yes, I saw that question. Um, it's it's interesting, really, because in, in my mind, I wasn't I wasn't really trying to sort of write historical wrongs. I was more just thinking, I I don't want my protagonist to go through these things. You know, like I think there comes a point. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know if this happens to everyone, but. I feel like as we get older and you consume a lot of media and a lot of the times the protagonists, female protagonists are going through a lot of things, um, especially when you consume historical media. Like I watched um, The Pillars of the Earth, I think. The, no, what was it? Um, one, of the, one of the Ken Follett series. I watched, there was a, there was a series that came out where um, there's just such a humongous amount of violence on women. It was just so tiring after a while you know so when you're writing it you're just mm-hmm. like i have the choice to not do that you know so so i guess <laughs> i just kind of wanted to yeah not go in that direction um i don't think we can really write historical wrongs you know they, they just are what they are mm-hmm. it's like you can allude to them you know in, in your series but i just didn't want my protagonist to go through that you know so so yeah no i completely understand that okay Last question, kind of make it more lighthearted for my last question, then we d- dive into Ashley's questions. Do you have a favorite uh, moment in the book, a favorite character uh, as you were writing that stuck out to you as like, I loved writing this? <laughs> okay. You said it was more lighthearted, but um, <laughs> I- I'm afraid my favorite moments are probably the grizzly ones. Um <laughs> The, the the thing that I was looking forward to the most and also dreading in terms of like how readers were gonna take it was the like the evisceration scene <laughs> and the beheading scene in, in book two like I, I, I fucking mm. love writing those scenes they were great <laughs> but then once they were written I was like oh my god is anyone else gonna appreciate this am I just weird you know so I think there was some powerful bonding moments that happened there with my beta readers when I showed them this, and I was like, am I crazy? And they just pat me on the head like, no, no, you're not crazy. I'd be like, ah, okay. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'm just going to say from our experience, a lot of people that read like reverse harems and dark romance are not really shocked yeah. by like gory yeah, that, that type of scene. That's what I was telling myself. I was like, I don't, yeah, I don't think you guys are particularly squeamish, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it'll be fine. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those were definite, definite favourites. I love the fluff as well. And, um, yeah, I have, a, I have a soft spot for that whole, like, um, oh my god, I reread it so many times. That scene, the first time Thrain and Tamsin spend a night together, and they have that ridiculous sort of pillow talk thing afterwards. And, um, yeah, I, I just reread that fucking scene so many times. Um, Thrain is I, just my favourite. Oh, yeah? <laughs> he's, he's such a sweetheart. I do also love the scene where it's, all of them up on the battlements keeping each other company and Tamsin like falls asleep wrapped up in the blankets up on top of the battlements like that was so yes. cute that was really cute yeah <laughs> I think it's, it's nice to have like you know you've got decapitation and then you've got like some fluffs fluffy scenes you know it's a good balance to have there striking a balance yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now for some less intellectual and more lighthearted questions. <laughs> um, how long did you sit on this idea before you actually started to write it? Because I saw that um, in your little about the author, you know, section at the back of the book that you started as a fantasy and sci-fi author. So are there any of your other works that you'd like to tell us about as well? 
Ooh, yeah, I, I was um, wondering about that because I, I really, I can't, they're, they're not finished really, those projects, you know, so I don't know if it would be particularly uh, interesting to sort of talk about them because I don't know if, if I'm going to finish them at any time, you know, I, I, none of those are published, none of those are finished. But yeah, I do. I did have like this massive trilogy that happens on Mars, <laughs> um, kind of like sci-fi. Uh, I wouldn't even know how to explain it. Ah! But um, but yeah, I have these big <laughs> projects, but they're too big. You know, like it's the kind of thing that lives in your head for too long, and you're like, I'm gonna need ten books to to write this thing. You know, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's all pretty much like, yeah. I I basically got fed up having projects that were too big, you know, and so this series was basically um, me just sitting down and being like, I'm going to finish something, you know, <laughs> I'm going to just take an idea and, run with it and finish it. And so technically this, this whole thing, this idea exists since like 2019, I think. Um, I sat down for NaNoWriMo and I was like, bash, 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 bash. And I, I bashed out the first draft of, of, this, of this idea. And then I showed it to a beta reader and I was like, is it ready? Can I publish it now? And she was like, no. <laughs> you sit down and you think this. Um, and, uh, that's a good beta reader, yeah. though, if it's honest. <laughs> oh, she's brilliant. Yeah, she was very blunt. And um, that's what you need, you know. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I sat down. I was like, why can't I publish it right away? I sat down for a year with, with the idea, just kind of rewriting the first draft and wondering about how it would go and actually reading some romance and reverse harem because I hadn't read much up until that point. Um, so, so yeah, that, it's so yeah, it's kind of existed since 2019. Yeah. Wow, that's I mean, it, you know, a good bit of time that you've been like talking about these characters and kind of like getting everything polished to where it needs to be. But I feel like you know these are long books, <laughs> and I'm sure that the amount of research and you know historical fiction it takes a good bit of time. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, I feel like the longer you spend with characters and a world in general, like the more it's just going to soak up, you know, it's going to get more depth, it's going to soak up what you're what you're reading, the ideas you get and it's just going to get richer, you know, the more you sit with it, I think. And to me, honestly, 2019 feels like a very young project, you know. <laughs> I've had projects I've been sitting on for I'd be embarrassed to say how long, you know, like I have one that I've been writing since I was 12 and it keeps getting, you know, redrafted. Um, those, those are very old characters. Um, That's amazing, though, that you've been, like, you know, working on a project that you've had in your head since you were 12. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's very impressive. God, I don't know if those are going to see the light of day. Like, they've been through so many different, like, types of the story, like, the same story, just remodeled again and again. But, um... But no, yeah, these these characters are pretty pretty young. But I'm glad to have sat on it, on it for a while because in the beginning it was very much like a sort of uh, oh no, you know, you're the enemy and my body's betraying me. Ah, you know, it was kind of very predictable <laughs> like Viking romance kind of sort of thing. And the more I sat with it, the more it, it became a bit more personal to me, you know, rather than just something that was the, the first thing that comes to your brain when you think of Viking romance and kidnapping and etc. So um. And I'm really glad that you turned this into a reverse harem because, like, I genuinely think that most things could be better as a reverse harem. <laughs> that is true. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But being that you're fairly new to reverse harems, um, you know, what are some of your favorites or some of your favorite non-reverse harem authors? Ooh, um, God, I had taken so many reverse harem books with me on vacation i just did not get through them i didn't get the time because I, I still haven't read that many i've read uh, elvie lane which, which is amazing i love her 
naturally have read Catherine Moon, who is also just amazing. <laughs> I, I just love her stuff. Um, she is a gem. Yes, yes. Everyone loves Catherine yeah, Moon. I really, I really can't wait for the, the bad alpha to come out. That just sounds like it's right up my alley. I'm like, mm. Um, but yeah, apart from them, I'm sad to say I don't think I've really read any. I, I probably have, but those are my favourites that come to mind. Um, as for non non reverse harem, do you mean romance authors or authors in general? No, just any authors that you appreciate. Hmm. Um, I think I, I always have like I have right now actually I have a stack of Margaret Atwood books on my shelf on my desk, sorry, because <laughs> whenever I'm writing, I'm like, oh my god, I don't know how to write anymore, and so I just, I just open a Margaret Atwood book, and I read a page, and I'm just, it comes back, you know, <laughs> so she's, she's, yeah, she's like my rock, but she's, she's great, um, and yeah, mostly big favourite, Margaret Atwood. And that kind of goes into my next question that, um, you know, I'm just curious about what your writing process is. And it sounds like, you know, you use Margaret Atwood to keep you motivated (laughs) a little bit when you're kind of having one of those moments where the words just aren't flowing out how you want them to. And I know that, you know, a lot of research is involved, but do you set, you know, daily writing goals or are you just kind of go with the flow when the mood strikes you? Oh, gosh. Um... Yeah, I, I have, th- those are two modes, you know, like I, I basically, yeah, I think I do both things, except when I have a deadline, and when, you know, when I have a deadline, I'm just like, strict goal of, you know, that day I have to write as much as I humanly can, you know, and I'll just kind of push everything away that can be pushed away, and I'll just write all day, um, so, so yeah, with, with uh, Taming the Wolves, I had set a really, really strict deadline for myself, which was a really dumb idea, um, and I, yeah, I, oh my god, I think, I can't remember if it was a NaNoWriMo, I think it was, there, was a, there was Camp Nano going on in like April or something, I think, and I set myself that, and I was like, ah, just writing, writing, um, but yeah, when you're in a grind like that, though, I feel like, because you're writing 5 to 10k a day, you know, <laughs> you, the same words begin to, you know, loop around your brain a little bit, um, so I like to sort of, oh, this is going to sound really, really pretentious, but I, I like to just read um, like prose poetry, like there's a there's loads of online resources and magazines that do um, the, um, where you can find good prose poetry to, to look at because then you know it kind of shows you how to sort of it shows you hey you can do anything you want with words remember you don't have to use those same five words over and over again so so I like to do that to kind of reset my brain a little bit when you're in that sort of flow of writing every single day between yeah five five and ten k a day like oh. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's definitely a lot. Yes, but that was my the most I've written ever. I think is that month of April. I think it was. Yeah, I think I wrote like a hundred and ten k in in that month, and I was really tired. <laughs> oh my gosh! I bet. Yeah. <laughs> it was wow. Really stupid, to be honest. I'm never gonna set myself a deadline, but that strict again. Like that was really really dumb. Well, you know, you do something like that once and then you learn. Yes, yes, (laughs) exactly. And I mentioned this before, but um, these are some of my favorite covers of all time. So, and as a graphic artist, you, you know, designed and made these Mm. yourself. um, And they're just breathtaking and they're really unique in terms of reverse harem covers because... 
like I just get tired of overly photoshopped pictures of attractive men and women. Um, so, you know, something like this just really makes a series stand out for me. And um, you and I had talked a little bit before where I said it reminded me of a graphic novel. Mm, yeah. Um, so I, I really just need to know, will we be able to buy special prints? Will there maybe be stickers? Like, is there a chance that I could get somebody on a t-shirt? <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. That's, that's really lovely. I had so many doubts about that first cover. I was like, what am I doing? This is not, you know, to market. Like, no other book looks like this. What are you doing? But, but, um, but yeah, no, um, I want to do prints and, and stickers and stuff. I just need to find the time, you know, like I, I'm really, I'm really crap at time management. Um, so, so yeah, I, I want to do that at one point. Um, the first thing is to get these bloody books out in paperback, you know, like I've got to do that. I don't know why I didn't do that. Because I will be buying those. Ooh, thank you. Um, but yeah, I should have done that from the get go. And starting from the point where that's done, I will definitely, you know, produce some, some artwork that can be put on stickers, and that sort of thing. I, I really do want to do that. Yeah. But um. Because I know that Willow will also be really excited about that because she loves these covers too. Oh, brilliant. Oh, lovely. But yeah, they, they took, oh, that first cover took so long. <laughs> I was so scared. It was really stupid. I was like, I can't do this. It's too ambitious. I actually had a, a stock photo first that I, I told myself, okay, I'm just going to do, you know, what you're supposed to do, which is, you know, to take a stock model and try and wrangle something on Photoshop. Um, and I got that stock guy that exists on every single like Viking slash barbarian slash fae romance cover. <laughs> He's everywhere. Like now that I have sort of seen his photo shoot and everything, I see him everywhere on Amazon. <laughs> like oh, I can't use this guy. I can't use him. So so yeah, I just went went the illustrated way. But um, but I'm glad I did honestly because yes, yeah, it's, it's really nice <laughs> to. Yeah, I think it's it's really helped your work kind of stand apart from everything else. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was really lovely to get you guys, like, appreciating them. I was like, oh! <laughs> well, that's what I love, too, is that, you know, it's it's not just that you wrote the books, that you also made the covers. Like, that's just impressive. So I think that that deserves recognition. Thank you. I, I do get some comments from time to time that are like, I almost didn't pick this up because of the cover. And it's just like, oh, gosh, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry I didn't do something, you know. But, um, but I mean, it's mostly, it's majoritively, like, positive. So that's, that's very nice. Good. And if anybody has anything bad to say, I'll make sure that I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Aries energy coming out. My Aries energy coming out. <laughs> um, and it's obviously no secret on this podcast that I am a huge animal lover. And, um... I was wondering if you have a background with horses or if you had to do a lot of research for this series because a lot of the characters have strong relationships with their horses. Yes, horse question, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honestly though, like I, horse people always reveal themselves. Yes, it's only a matter of time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a massive horse nerd, but the, the, the issue is like, I, I wish I had more experience, honestly. I'm, I'm more of a you know, I've been riding since I was 12, blah, blah, blah. But um, on and off, you know, as soon as you stop school and start your professional life, you kind of, you know, if you're not already, like, a, in, in a massive you know, horsey family or anything, you, you just kind of go to the sidelines, you know, and you have to try and find time for it in your adult life and everything. So, I, I've, you know, I've not been close to horses as much as I would have, would like, but 
but no, I, I did used to be really interested in like natural horsemanship and that sort of thing, and um, a massive fan of Heartland actually, <laughs> the series. I don't know if you know it, but um, I don't, but I'm gonna look it up uh, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really recommend that. It's uh, it's really fluffy. It's like amazingly fluffy. It's um, it's a Canadian. It's a Canadian, like, it's a set of books that was made into a Canadian series, which is still ongoing now, which has really, like, outlived the books, has gone way further in the story than, than the books, and it's just so good. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, that's, I, I've not really, I've never had a horse or anything, but but I just, I love learning about them in, in you know, when you read horsemanship, uh, if you can call it literature, I don't know if you can call it horsemanship literature, but when you read the literature, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of great stuff in there that just yeah and you, you see your horsemen at work and you're just like fucking magic you know um so so yeah it's it's uh something i love to nerd out about and uh, <laughs> it's always easier in books as well because you can control the animal you're just like okay this scene is going to happen like this but of course if you tried that in real life with a horse there is no guarantee that it would go smoothly oh, yeah so it's easier to write about natural horsemanship than it is to try and do it, you know, in, in your day to day life. Um, so, so yeah. But I, I really loved that. And, you know, I think that if you're a fan, someone who's a fan of horses, then you're going to appreciate that aspect of this series. Yeah. Yeah. They do take up some space. <laughs> and I know that you said that, um, you haven't read too many reverse harems, but, um, if you could create your dream harem of like, you know, five individuals, um, it can be like book characters or celebrities, etc. Who would you include? <laughs> the first one that comes to my mind is uh, Ardeth Bay from The Mummy. <laughs> that guy, <laughs> like all of the dudes from The Mummy, basically. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> all the dudes from The Mummy. <laughs> uh, why is that the first thing that comes to my mind? I have no idea. Um, hmm terms of book characters though it's a tough question though i mean who who would who would you pick like <laughs> just thinking about it now uh... i think ashley would definitely include thrain <laughs> yeah i definitely <laughs> would <laughs> i mean i feel like it would be like thrain kevin creekman um henry cavill oh, henry cavill oh. x from the dark river series <laughs> henry cavill but only the witcher version of him yeah <laughs> normal Henry Cavill is like still a very good looking man and I feel like you know for a lot of um you know fantasy type of books I could see like in my mind Henry Cavill would play Rice and Asriel and Cassian in Akatar. I don't know if you've ever read oh that, no 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 I, I haven't, I haven't. My... I've, I've listened to some pretty great like reviews on YouTube um but no I haven't I haven't actually read the books but um yeah he has a good face face. and a good body and he's like nerdy too so he's (laughs) he's got all the good things going on it's true it's true um i would have to say like i'm a massive oh yeah yeah if you're gonna if you want to sort of hmm, i'm gonna fangirl on main here (laughs) i i um i'm a massive lee pace fangirl so maybe him but you know but um but i feel that 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 would be disrespectful you know of his artistry and everything but um but yeah, Lee Pace is, is great. He's he's great. I pretty much see everything that he's in. It's terrible. But um, but yeah. Do you know? Do you see who who he is? He plays Thranduil. If that's um. Oh, I'm very familiar yeah, with okay. Lee Pace. I was. I loved pushing days. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that. Love that series. You'll have to think on that one some more and get back to us. Yes. 
or as you read, you know, more reverse harems. True. Let us know if there are any that stand out to you. Yeah. I know that, like, um, Jericho Barons from the, like, uh, Dark Fever series, like, he's a big one for people. I see that. I see him mentioned so much. It's not a reverse serum series, but it's, like, Fae, and it has to do with Ireland. It's pretty good. What's it called? I'm just... I'll recommend it. Gonna Google um, it's called <laughs> Dark Fever by Karen Marie, I think, Moaning is what it... M-O-N-I-N-G. Moaning? Moaning? <laughs> okay. I guess it feels weird to say moaning as someone's name. Like, <laughs> I don't know. For, <laughs> for a fantasy romance. I mean, it's not like the romance isn't a huge part of the series, but it's, it's good. I really like that series. Oh, okay. Karen Lily. Mo- yeah. Moaning? Moaning? <laughs> yeah. Moaning? <laughs> moaning? Moaning? <laughs> let's say, let's say moaning, maybe. Oh, this looks, this um, looks interesting. So, yeah. Okay. If you're looking for something to read, you know, it's a good series. Oh God, I have too much um, to read. I have too much to read. <laughs> I'm really slow uh, compared to you guys. Like, you guys being like, oh, what have you read this week? And I'm still on one book for a month, you know? <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, but you also are, you know, writing a series at the same time. Yeah, so that takes a lot of dedication. <laughs> it's true, yeah. But I, do, I do have some author friends who manage, you know, they manage to do the writing thing and the reading thing at the same time. I'm like, how? How, how do you do this? But, and have kids, you know, I don't have kids. But, and, and yet I still, you know, don't find the time right. So yeah, for me, it's, it's amazing. Well, I think that that, like, we interviewed Britt Andrews, you know, a few weeks back. And I feel like for someone who's writing and she has kids and you know, she reads so many books. Yeah, it's like a superpower. For, you yes. Know? It's, it's insane. <laughs> it's amazing to me. I'm like, you must have... I'm like, do you ever sleep? Because <laughs> I don't think I would be able to. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to add, you know, it's not a question, but um, I loved this series. I, I love this series so much, and I know that we're a little bit over halfway through the year, but I'm fairly confident that this is going to be my pick for the best series of 2021, because... I was so completely consumed mm-hmm. in the, these first two books. Oh, that's so sweet. So, ah. yeah, and I think that, you know, for your first publication, you have just, like, I've been blown away. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're too sweet. Oh, man. I'm, I'm really happy you enjoyed it that much. Um, I know I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a mess talking about these things, you know? Like, I, yeah, should have started, like, a bullet point sort of list of how to talk about this series because there's so much going on in it. <laughs> but I'm really glad that, that you enjoyed the books, yeah. And Sam, did you want to read uh, Willow's questions? Absolutely. So friend of the show, Willow Hadley, had some questions for you. Um, sh- first question, she would like to know, what made you want to combine historical romance with Omegaverse? Ooh, um, well, I think it's, like, when I don't know where you guys first started reading, like, Omegaverse, what your first Omegaverse, Omegaverses were? But, um, but you know, I, I found out about it via fan fiction, and I think, like, <laughs> yeah. Same. And, and when, when you read about it in fan fiction, you always have that sort of world, it gives you a world-building itch, you know, you're just like, what if I took this, and I did this with it, or what if I took it, and I put it in this AU, you know, and, um, and mm-hmm. I think I kind of, like, when I decided, okay, I'm going to sit down and fucking write a book, and publish it, and finish it in less than 10 years, you know, and, um, and I wanted to, you know, I've been, I've been wanting to write some Omegaverse for a long time to sort of scratch that itch of how how would you do it, you know? Um, and I wanted to make it historical, and I was like, 
I, I don't know actually why I wanted to make it historical. I think it was because <laughs> it's you know it's porn, you know, and I was like, I like to learn stuff when I when I'm writing. I like to be researching and stuff to sort of combine um, just you know. Uh, yeah, since it's a long process, you might as well learn something along the way, you know. Um, so, mm -hmm. so that's kind of why I wanted to to make it historical, yeah. And uh, yeah, I and guess I guess that's it. I had another sort of project going on that happens in Brittany for which I had already begun to research stuff. So I was like, yeah, I might as well, you know, <laughs> just make it Celtic. And, yeah. And I think that you know it really did, you know, the mythology that's you know, true, and then the aspects that you've kind of made up, it just works really well with it being an Omegaverse. Yeah, I think Vikings are perfect for, the, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the whole feral thing. Yeah, they're, they're already pretty, like, yeah, feral, I guess. And I did just, I, like, started watching Vikings after I read this series. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> I actually haven't finished watching that series, like, yeah, but it's so good. It's so good. Um, but I think... I haven't either, but it is really mm, good. Yeah, 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 it is. I know that, um, what's it called? You know, there's that more recent one called uh, The Last Kingdom, I think it's called. Um, the Last Kingdom is really good, and the books are apparently also really, really yeah, good. That is that is what I hear. That's what I hear. But um, <laughs> it's funny, because when, you, when you've watched Vikings, and then you try and get into The Last Kingdom, the first thing you notice is that Vikings are so stylized. Like, it's really lovely in, the, in how it's filmed, and it feels like, you know, you feel like you're you've got some this you're in a liminal space you know that there's magic going on and stuff in the in the in the background but in the, that was kind of missing for me in in the last kingdom and i couldn't really get into it cuz there was a bit of a it was it felt a bit gray you know compared to vikings but i'm sure it's it's really good i should probably try again well i feel like you know vikings is filmed for you to want to like the vikings yes. whereas the last kingdom it's you know definitely filmed more for you to like utrid and Anglo-Saxons, you yeah, know, I think. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Anglo-Saxons yeah, more. Mm. That's disappointing, you know. I, I want to be invested in every in the Vikings, you know. But um, there's another series actually that is that is a a German series which technically related because it's felt like the Germanic tribes um, um, facing off Rome, called Barbarin. Um, I'm gonna. I'll, I mm -hmm. think I'm gonna do Ooh. an Instagram post on it or something because um, it's just so good. I'm, I'm discovering it right now. And um, it's a bit more, you know, it's a bit more, um, it's not the same era, it's a bit earlier than that. But um, but it's another really good, really good series that blends that kind of type of population and, you know, magic, history and all, everything. It's just, it's just really great. Might have to check that out. It's, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So Willow would also like to know, how many books are you planning in this series? Yeah, um, well, six for this, for Tamsin's, you know, main, main storyline. Um, I gave myself that number. Hopefully I'm going to stick to it. I don't know. You know, like the next one is outlined. The one after that is like vaguely outlined. And the fifth and sixth are just basically like, who knows? Like, I have a vague idea. Like, I have an idea of where it's going to be, where it's going to happen. But yeah, it's just not outlined at all. And so I don't know how the series is meant to stop, you know. But yeah, six for this, for this story. And uh, yeah, like I said, like maybe a few, a few spin-offs for, for the secondary characters. Yeah. Love that. Sam. Uh, all right, and last question from Willow and in general. Uh, do you have plans or would you write another historical reverse harem and or Omegaverse series based in another time period? Uh, I don't think I'm going to write more Omegaverse. Um, 
it's complicated like it's it's really fun you know to sort of try and implement okay like you have these these beings that have these needs and so how is that going to influence everything blah 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 um but it's you know i kind of want to write something that is that doesn't have that uh those obligations you know for the for the next for the mm -hmm. next project so because I'm extremely predictable in the sense of like, what parts, what eras in history do you like? I really like ancient Egypt. And so <laughs> I think the next project that's kind of, you know, sitting around in the back of my mind is a sort of ancient Egypt, like sort of reverse harem, maybe. <laughs> like, oh, I, will, maybe. I will read the hell out of that. <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the old story of like archaeologists, Maybe some time travel shenanigans, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking about that, but um, just thinking about it for now. That sounds yeah. awesome. But yeah, definitely stick around in, in reverse harem because because it's amazing. <laughs> it's a great time. <laughs> yeah. Once you go reverse harem, you never go yeah, back. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into what we're reading this week. Uh, I obviously have been on vacation, so thank you to Ashley and Sarah for stepping up and recording an episode without me so I could enjoy my time. But because I was on vacation, I did an awful lot of reading. So um, I'm just going to do a quick overview of everything I've read since then. So I just finished the Reach for the Moon trilogy by Sam Hall. I read The Dare by Harley LaRue because Sarah wouldn't let me in her house without reading it. Uh <laughs> I read both the Deadly Dragons duet and the Three Bears duet by Colette Rhodes, and they were amazing. And we're actually going to be talking about her on the podcast next week, so I'm very excited about that. Um, I also finished my audiobook of We Free the Stars uh, on my drive home from Maine. Um, so finally knocked out that duet, and it was fantastic. It was YA, so no smut or spice there, but just like really good plot, really good world building. Um, I read the entire Curse of the Gods series while on vacation. I loved it. It took me a minute to get into the first book. Um, I actually, like, gave it up at one point and was like, I don't know if I can do this. But then I tried it again, and I'm so glad that I did because I absolutely adored that series. This week, I started reading Morning Glory Milking Yay. Farm, the new TikTok <laughs> sensation. I love it. Um, and I'm not sure what I'm going to read after that, but... You know, milking those minotaurs. <laughs> that's where my attention is right now. It's brilliant, though. It is amazing. I really love that, that book. It's so good. I just think it's so interesting how book talk just, like, causes these authors to blow up. It's, it's just, like, the phenomenon for me is insane. Social media is such a powerful thing. Oh, did, did she it blow really up is. on, uh, on, tick, on BookTok? Because I've known Sam Costa since, since Tumblr. I've read her stuff since it was only, you know, published on Tumblr for free and everything. So it's, it's just been really oh, nice. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah. she's blowing up on BookTok right now, which brought her to, like, top of the sci-fi Amazon oh, charts. Wow, good. All right. Brilliant. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, last I checked, she was, like, at, like, 24, but it's probably higher than that now. Jeez, wow, yeah. <gasps> yeah, but, I mean, milking Minotaur, yeah. I mean, you hear that in a phrase? Like, of course, you're going to go see what that, what that's about, you know? 
Well, I feel like with Ice Planet Barbarians and then, you know, like everything that happened with A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor, mm. you know, which is also like monsters and like it getting pulled from Amazon, like that made that series really blow up too. So like people just love like alien and monster yeah. <laughs> romances. Yeah. So Yeah, it does seem to be. That's, that's the theme for the summer. Yeah. <laughs> I think somebody called it like a a hot monster summer or something on the discord like it's just been the summer of, of monster fiction yeah I, i'm down for all the monster books yeah. yeah so she's currently number 11 in the entire kindle store wow uh she's number one in mythology number one in fantasy erotica and number one in paranormal erotica that's brilliant oh that's so good I, I love that i love that she she really deserves that i mean it's just insane because I can't remember how many years ago I read that on Tumblr and to think now that it's, you know, number one on the charts and everything. I'm like, yes, yes, go you. <laughs> Back when Tumblr was cool. Hey, it's still cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Back when, back when Tumblr could have porn on it. That's true, yes. Yeah. Yahoo and Tumblr. <laughs> I mean, he's still got some pretty, you know artwork on there <laughs> i follow i just follow a bunch of artists on there i feel like discord's where it's at now for that kind of content yeah yeah definitely mm. and twitter um yeah which twitter i feel like is an unexpected one for that but. yeah you start down porn twitter like it's it's a rabbit hole <laughs> you never get out of there mm. Um, so I didn't do too much reading this week. I had like a really bad mi- like a migraine or attention headache for like three days, but I'm feeling much better. Um, I read book two and three of the Lost Sentinel series. I'm curious to see how everything is going to wrap up in that fourth book. Um, last night I read a little short story, Hefty, by Jessa Kane, and she has all these like little short novellas about, um, you know, a like chubby chubbier or um more full figured you know male main character um and it was sweet it had some spicy scenes but it was set in high school and i felt like when i was in high school some of the things this guy said to her like guys were not talking to me like that when we were intimate when i was in high school so it just (laughs) was like that aspect for me was very unrealistic um there's a part where they're like hooking up in like her bedroom and like her door is closed and locked and her mom knows that he's in there and she's like jiggling the door handle. Oh no! If my oh, no. door handle would have been locked and I had a guy in my room, it would have been like it would have been a huge <laughs> yeah. deal. Oh dear. <laughs> but um, I love seeing diversity in characters. So if you're looking, you know, for um, books where the guys are not your typical, you know chiseled adonis type of guys i definitely recommend you know those little novellas and i finished taken by the vampire king this morning it's the first in the baton rouge vampire series by roxy ray and Lindsay devon i loved it and i started reading the second one which is stolen by the vampire king which i you know i feel like those titles are very similar but they were really it's been really good i can't wait to finish the second book and i just feel like you can't go wrong with vampires and louisiana i mean it's like and this series isn't like a you know like a southern vampire mysteries rip off or anything um it's just it's really good so if you like true blood that's a good series to read not reverse harem but still good all right Lex, what have you been reading yeah so so hmm, i've been uh 
in a, a sort of hyper focus mode on um, the the manga Berserk. If if anyone like knows it, that's that's listening, like you probably know what I mean, <laughs> because it's when when you start once you start reading, you're just like. I have to know. I have to know. And it's like, uh, I think it's about 40 volumes long, I think. And in case you don't know um, what it what it's about, it's basically a dark fantasy manga that started, I think, in the 80s. I'm not sure, 80s, 90s. And it's essentially like the the work of the, that artist's life. Like it's his, been his passion project, you know, all this time. Um, it's just been pumping out those volumes. And he died this year, actually. Um, Kentaro Miura is the, is the artist's name. Um, so since he died, I think there's been like a bit of a burst of interest, you know. And I mean, I'm gonna admit it was kind of the same for me. Like it was kind of always on the periphery of my mind. Like when when you're when you go to art school, when you hang out with artists, like you, you hear of this dude because he's insane. Like when you when you look at his his ink work, it's like insane in in terms of the quality and the detail you're like oh my god and when you're just reading you want to cry you know yeah so I kn- I've always known I had to read this thing this manga that everyone keeps talking about and um yeah so yeah 40, 40 volumes something like that I'm a really slow reader usually but I just powered through those and um yeah I went to to London recently and I bought one of those like it, the the manga itself has, has sort of been re-edited into sort of deluxe editions mm-hmm. where you have these like leather bound you know compilation books that are, look really pretty and I got one of those because I'm just down that rabbit hole right now <laughs> and I'm having like <laughs> massive book hangover over it and oh god yeah so yeah and, and it's and it's unfinished as well obviously so it's kind of kind of tragic really but that's heartbreaking yeah but really, really good though. Mm. Uh, I tried to, so I have like this vivid memory of reading this manga in middle school called Fruits Basket, oh. which was like really popular. Yeah. And I was like, I want to see if I can find those now. I can't find them for sale anywhere at less than like $25. What? Like they're so expensive. And like, I don't, I don't even know where to even start looking like, Everything that I found on the internet is, like, private sellers, and, like, the only way that I can see, like, myself reading it is, like, finding, like, the free online version, which I don't want to do, like, I want to have the physical yeah. copies, but it, I can't find it anywhere. It was driving me nuts. It's basket, though. I remember that. that. Yeah, I was, like, 14 or something when that was, that was popular, I think, and mm-hmm. I can't believe it's, oh, wow, so it's gone out of print or something, I guess? Jeez. I guess in the US. unless unless someone listening can tell me where to find this at a better <laughs> price, but I definitely can't afford to pay like twenty twenty five dollars a book out of that whole God, series. Yeah, <gasps> that's crazy. Mm. It is that is a good series though. I don't think I ever read it, but there was an anime too. I think. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, think I, I saw that going around, but yeah, I never never got around to. I still haven't have to finish Full Metal Alchemist from. Teenage years. Oh, my husband is obsessed with Full Metal yeah. Alchemist. I feel like there's been like a whole like resurgence of fans of that. Yeah. I am looking at a giant poster in my office of Full Metal Alchemist <laughs> characters. <laughs> All right, like, so where can people find you on social media? Okay, I've got um, I'm everywhere pretty much. I'm everywhere except BookBub. So you can find me on um, mostly I just use the handle Lix Robinson. 
Um, but yeah, let me just look at my link tree. I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I'm on I'm on Goodreads. I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook group where you can um, talk about the the books and everything. Um, I kind of nerd out about history as well on there from time to time. Um, it's called Lix's Tavern. If you just search that on Facebook, you could probably find it pretty easily. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I vaguely have a Tumblr if you're on t if you're a Tumblr person still in our day and age. But I'm extremely inactive <laughs> on there. It's just to, it's just to have one, you know. I've got Twitter too, but pretty inactive on there too. Um, I think on Twitter I am Robinson Lix, and I basically use it as a, like an art Twitter if you wanna. If you want to follow my artwork more than anything else, like it's probably a good place to follow me on. Uh, and I got a website too, LixRobinson.com. You can probably find all of the links on there if you're looking for a place to find me. Uh, so yeah. Okay, I will definitely put your link tree in the episode description so people can find you there. Okay, as well. brilliant. Too many leaps. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Lex. It was great having you on. Thank you for answering all of our questions. Well, thank you for having me on. And I, I know it was a bit of a mess, the historical ones. I feel like I just talked out of my ass a bit, but <laughs> I hope I didn't say anything glaringly. Oh, you did a know, great <laughs> job. <laughs> yes, you were fantastic. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Join us next week when we discuss the work of Colette Rhodes. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye!